Hey everyone and welcome back to the Firefighters Podcast where we seek to develop, inspire and motivate the world of the emergency services operator through a series of wide-ranging conversations. Now before we go any further, just hit that rate, follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to. It's a key performance indicator for us and helps us reach even more people. Now here's what we've got for you today. Reflecting, debriefing and taking part in operational learning is a vehicle to identify new or emerging risks, monitoring trends, recommending remedial actions and promoting the best practice, as well as achieving continuous improvement in service delivery and the safety of firefighters and frontline operators worldwide. Today's is a quick incident debrief and comes to us from Gibraltar Fire Brigade on the 27th of April 1951. The Royal Fleet Auxiliary Bednam arrived in Gibraltar on the 24th of April 1951, having loaded at Ballpoint Naval Armaments Depot Plymouth with approximately 790 tons of depth charges, ammunition and other ordnance destined for Gibraltar and Malta. When berthed at number 39 berth, Ordnance Wharf, the cargo was unloaded onto the wharf and onto number 10, lighter vessel, that was moored on the RFA Bednam's port, outboard side. It was not clear how many lighter vessels were used or if any lighter number 10 was used during RFA Bednam's time at Gibraltar before the explosion. Loading of ammunition into RFA Bednam's number 2 hold destined for Malta was also simultaneously carried out by Gibraltar Fire and Rescue Service. Standard fire precautions on board at the time for the loading and unloading of ammunition included having hoses rigged and laid out on deck. However, it took time for the onboard fire pump to create an effective pressure. This was estimated to be between half a minute and four minutes when required. A charged hose was also laid out on the wharf at the ready. However, the jet from this, estimated with a 15-foot length, was said not to be powerful enough to reach the lighter. On the morning of the 27th of April at approximately 9.54, an explosion occurred on board lighter number 10, whilst a hoist of depth charges containing Torpex was being transferred. The initial explosion had alerted the whole dockyard. The dockyard fire brigade and the local Gibraltar fire brigade civilian attended the incident. The lighter had quickly caught fire from bow to stern and after the initial explosion, the master of RFA Bednam had ordered water on deck. None of the hoses from RFA Bednam were initially able to be used due to the intensity of the fire on board and the lighter vessel. The jet from the wharf hose did not reach the fire and at approximately 9.57 an order was given to take cover due to the belief that a major explosion was going to take place. A sub-officer from the dockyard fire brigade ignored the order and continued to direct a jet from RFA Bednam that had been established onto the fire. Approximately six minutes later, there was a major explosion as lighter number 10 blew up. The force of the explosion essentially blew RFA Bednam into two pieces only held together by the electrical cabling. The bow of the RFA Bednam was thrown out of the water and onto the quayside. A dockyard fire brigade sub-officer and the chief fire officer along with 11 other personnel were all killed by the explosion. Many others were also injured. It was stated that debris from the explosion had been blown up to one and a half miles from the site of the main explosion. The Royal Fleet Auxiliary Vessel is used to supply armaments of approximately 1,191 gross tons and 70 metres in length. The fire source and location of the fire was later found to be accidental ignition of depth charges on board a lighter vessel, lighter number 10, which was tied alongside RFA Bednam and then subsequent fire and further massive explosions. 
Today's episode was once again brought to you by William Wood Watches. With the tagline, once forgotten, now reborn, every single watch has 100 years of firefighting history in it. They take an original Merriweather brass firefighter's helmet worn by firefighters in Britain in the 1920s and melt it inside every single William Wood watch. All of the craftsmanship is carried out in the heart of London and they are proud to lock in the legacy of the brave firefighting heroes in every single timepiece. I think one of my favorite things about these watches is the fire hose straps. Now, these have gone from landfill to effectively luxury now. They receive fire hose from a massive amount of fire services from all around the world, which has come to the end of its life. The majority of the fire hose around the world is unfortunately ends in landfill usually. They clean the hose, repurpose it, and sew it into the luxury watch straps themselves. I always wear the red one, but when you get your watch, it comes with a series of different ones you can get. You can explore the full range of upcycled straps on their website, and you can see the link in the episode notes. If you head over to their website, you'll be able to check out the Jubilee, the Triumph, the Valiant, the Bronze, and the Chivalrous. All of those watches are available right there, and you can spread the cost of these over three to six months interest-free. So for the pulse of the fire service right there on your wrist, head over to williamwoodwatches.com and take a look. Learning points from the internet. Scenarios and operations such as this that require the loading and unloading of ammunition are often ran by the military themselves, with little to no requirement for civilian fire and rescue services to be involved. On this day in April 1951, a specific awareness should be given to the limitations of your equipment. These should include, but are not limited to, the volumes of water available, the equipment's ability to provide pressure that will allow a throw significant enough to allow the fire and rescue service to work defensively, but still to achieve the task of calling ammunition and ordnance on the vessel. The second and biggest learning point from this is the lack of weight given to the specialist advice given by the military personnel. If you're in an incident where chemicals, substances, ordnance or ammunition that you're unfamiliar with are present, Advice should always be sought from a specialist within this sector or field. Critical life-saving advice was given six minutes prior to the large explosion, which inevitably cost the lives of 13 fire and rescue service personnel. That brings to a close this very brief incident review. Thank you for listening. The Firefighters Podcast is a global podcast seeking to develop, inspire, and motivate the world of the emergency services operators. Through a series of wide-ranging conversations celebrating those within our sector, we seek to encourage and support this incredible group of people. It's brought to you by myself, operational firefighter, Pete Wakefield, and I speak with individuals from all walks of life who I sincerely believe can add value to or develop those who have chosen this life path. Please support your emergency services wherever you are in the world, and thank you for listening.